I'm going to read two scriptures this morning, one from Deuteronomy and then some from Ephesians chapter 5. So this is Deuteronomy chapter 5, then Ephesians chapter 5. And if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we're, I'm just using as inspiration the Ten Commandments and jumping around and using the Ten Commandments as um, a way of knowing God, knowing His will, and learning about the gospel because, hey, I think that's what the Ten Commandments were there for in the first place. So Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. These are the words of God. God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And in Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writes, starting verse 18, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You're welcome to join with me in prayer. Father, I really do love you. I'm so grateful for who you are. I'm so grateful for who you are, Father, in your holiness and your goodness and your power and your gentleness. I'm so grateful for your son, Jesus Christ, who is the most amazing person ever, fully man and fully God. And even just learning about him in the gospels, there was nobody like him. He's wonderful. God, thank you for sending him to die on the cross for our sake and to fulfill your purposes. Thank you for raising him again from the dead into an eternal life that has never ended. Thank you, Father, for sending the Holy Spirit at Jesus' request to fill your church. And God, in the midst of all of this, I want to bless your people and and serve your church by being a a faithful speaker of your word. And so, God, would you give me afresh the prophetic spirit that speaks your word well and for your use. God, your word says that that, uh, your own words don't come back to you empty, but accomplish the purposes for which you sent them. God, I pray that you give us open ears and soft hearts, and I pray, Lord, that every single person here would be impacted in the way that you want for your specific purposes in their lives. And God, I just surrender myself afresh. Would you fill me up? In Jesus' name, amen. What does this thing look like? What if I went like this? And I had a monkey, a little monkey. Boo! And I went like this. What does this look like to you? Okay, come on, guys. I know it's the second service, which meant that you got to have a second cup of coffee, so you should be extra awake. It looks like a lamp. It's actually a water jug, but it kind of reminds me of a magic lamp, and it was the best I could do on short notice. It's a magic lamp. And so what happens when I uh, rub this thing? Yeah, a genie pops out, and what do they do? Ask for a cheeseburger? No, no, they grant, they grant wishes, that's right. Um, so, in honor of my magic lamp, I have <clears throat> three lamp jokes for you. <laughs> All with the theme of be careful what you wish for. There were once three people who were stranded on a desert island out in the middle of the ocean. And as they were going about their business over time, you know, setting up uh, shelters and looking for coconuts to drink the water and to eat the flesh, um, they, one of them stumbled across a lamp in the ground. And they dug it up, and as they were cleaning it all out, out popped a genie named Robin. And he decided he was going to give each one of them 
a wish. The first person said, you know what? We ended up on this island because of a plane crash. We were supposed to be on our way to Hawaii. I just really want to go to Hawaii, so please send me to Hawaii. The genie says, your wish is my command. Blinks his eyes, and all of a sudden, this person is gone. The second person says, you know, after all the trouble with a plane crash in the deserted island, I just want to go home. Would you please just send me home? The genie says, your wish is my command. Blinks his eyes. The person is gone. The third person kind of all by themselves, looking around, going, boy, with all that we'd been through, I'd really grown close to those guys. I I just wish they were back here. (laughs) And your wish is my command. And be careful what you wish for. There once were two neighbors that really did not get along. They lived side by side, and one day as they were fighting over their hedge about who was supposed to trim what and how high and, and what the other person's dog was doing in their lawn and all these other kinds of things that neighbors fight about. One of them stubbed their toe on something really hard in the ground. And as they dug it out, it turned out to be a lamp. And as they dusted it off, what should pop out but a genie named Williams. And the genie says to them, I will grant you each one wish. And the first person who was still just peaked and piping mad says, I want you to build a gigantic steel wall around my house, 20 feet high, six inches thick, so I'll never have to look at my neighbor's face again. And the genie says, your wish is my command, blinks his eyes, and up goes the wall. Now the genie's still standing there, or hovering, I guess, with his smoke legs, whatever that is, hovering smoke legally with the other neighbor and says, so what do you want? And the neighbor says, I would like you to fill that guy's place full of water. Be careful what you wish for. Finally, there was a mature couple who were both about 65 years old who had just started their retirement walking along a beach one day discussing what they should do with their golden years. And they're walking along and the husband stubs his toe on something hard in the beach. And as they stop to look at it, it appears to be something metallic. So they unearth it and it turns out to be a lamp. And as they're dusting it off, what should pop out but a genie named Fred for no particular reason. And the genie says, I will grant you each one wish. And the wife says, full of ideas and excitement, says, you know, we were just talking about what to do with our years. I want you to send us on a year-long cruise around the world where we'll stop at every single major city and we'll have such good times. We'll stay in the best hotels and we'll just be able to talk and talk and talk and have such good times and enjoy things and eat good food and talk and talk and relate and relate and relate and relate and relate. And the genie says, you got it. And what would you like to the husband? And the husband, um, getting kind of losing the thread as men can sometimes do, says, you know what, I never really actually liked my wife that much, so I would like to go on a cruise just like that, but with a woman who is 30 years younger than I am. And the genie says, your wish is my command, blinks his eyes, and the man was suddenly 95 years old. (laughs) Do you get it? Be careful what you wish for. Why am I talking about magic lamps? Um, the last few weeks we've been talking about the Ten Commandments and we, t- we started off with the last one, which is thou shalt not covet. You shall not covet your neighbor's um, wife, your neighbor's donkey, your neighbor's ox, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And as we were talking about that, as I was talking about that, you were mostly listening, um, 
what we're saying is there's kind of this shallow, a way to try to obey that command where it's like, okay, so I won't want my neighbor's stuff. No problem because my neighbor doesn't even have an ox or a donkey, so I'm off the hook for those things. And so I'm doing pretty good. But I said, as you take this deeper, what this command really is saying to us is that God has a unique story for each one of us that will look different than the people around us. And God is calling us not to be upset as we look to other people's lives and imagine that because they have a different life than we have, they have it better than us, or that God doesn't love us, or that God isn't working in our lives. And so that thou shalt not covet includes everything, because God is saying, look, I am your God. I love you, I'm for you, I'm with you, and I have a story for your life. And the thing that will sabotage my best story for your life is you always wishing you had somebody else's story. So instead, we're called to look at God and say, God, fill my life full of stories of your glory. Do great things through my unique life so that at the end of my life, people will say that was a life full of the glory of God. After that, we were talking about the first commandment, which we we are still going to be talking about, which is God saying, you shall have no other gods before me. And what I was saying is that for any commandment where they say, do not do this thing, there is like a flip side where it is, do do this thing. So the commandment, do not have other gods, is the no side, the negative side. And the positive side is to really, really have your God. To not have other gods implies, do have this God. And so what we said is that God was the greatest commandment, Jesus says in Scripture, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, wherever that is, and all your mind and all your strength. Just to love him with everything you've got. And the big thing I wanted to say in that message was that if that's the greatest commandment and God is good, then the best thing that can ever happen to us is that we would love God, that we would be in a love relationship with God. That's why he says it's the most important thing. He says, I love you so much that I've sent my son Jesus to die for your sin so that you can be forgiven for everything you've ever done and everything you will do so that we can have a united relationship that I can adopt you to be my son or my daughter and that in the rest of this life and eternity, we can live in a love relationship together. And so what I was saying was the best thing that will ever, 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 ever happen to you is that you would be, you would have this love relationship with God where he's loving you and you are knowing it, believing it, experience it, and that you're loving him back in return with everything you've got. This is the best thing that can happen to a human being. And it is the last thing anybody wishes for when they stumble across a lamp. Have you ever noticed that? Not that a genie could help you do that. That's just not how it works. And so what I want to do is I want to camp out on this thing because I really am convinced that the best thing that can happen to you in life is that you, can, you would just embrace this love relationship with God that Jesus has purchased for us with his life. The reason he died was to bring us back to God. And so he's purchased for us not only so that God isn't angry at us anymore because we're, we're forgiven, we're not under his wrath because we're under his grace, but also the power and the change so that we can actually love him back. So that we can look at him instead of thinking, ah, he's ruining my life, or ah, he's mean. We see, we see his glory through Jesus, and we say, I actually love him, and I want to serve him. Which is the start of every good thing in the kingdom of God. So I want, I want this for you. I want this love relationship with God for you. Because it is the best thing that could ever happen. And shouldn't a pastor want good things for their people that they're connected with? That and tithing. Those are the two things I want. 
I'm totally joking, because you know that it's like the, 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 the slam is that we only care about money, and that's not true at all. What I really want for you is the best thing possible, which is that you would totally know God's love through Jesus Christ, and that in return you would you'd be able to say, yeah, yeah I actually, God is really stirring. I actually do love him, because that's the best thing that can happen. And I also care about our witness because who we love as Christians or what we love as Christians really matters. And if we, if we have something that we love more than God in our life practically, that comes out. And, and it, it's a kind of hypocrisy, right? If we say, I'm a Christian, I love God, not quite as much as my shredded pecs and ripped muscles, uh, which I'm still working on, but I'm just using it as a for instance. Maybe you, that's not you too. I do love God, but not quite as much as I do love, but I, you know, I really wish if I just had the million, you know, if I had the magic lamp, I'd be wishing for this thing which God hasn't given me. When that comes about, it, it really, um, it, it l- takes away some credibility to our gospel witness. Amen? Just to put it gently. Let me give you a for instance. Okay, there was this... Um, Famous Canadian country singer from Timmins, Ontario. Does anybody know who I'm talking about already? Okay, there you go. I didn't say it. Somebody else did. You may remember this. I think it was from the late 90s, early 200s, when she was kind of at the height of her popularity. She signed a contract to be a spokesmodel for some makeup company, whether it was like Revlon or Maybelline or whoever the important makeup people were. So she was going to get paid like five million, two million, millions of dollars to get in front of a camera and do like a model look like, whoa, you know how they do where they get their hair to f- float in slow motion around here. It's probably all computer generated nowadays, but you do that and then, you know, cheekbones, you shoot your cheekbones at the camera and, you know, eyeballs and lashes. <laughs> and then they say, you know, if you buy our soup, like bacon flavored plumping eyelash makeup, then you too can look like so-and-so or whatever. You know, there's so many millions of dollars of makeup not selling because they haven't sought a bacon flavor yet. Is it just me? It's not just me. Come on. Honey, why do you, your eyelashes smell so appealing. Like, I just want to wake up and be near you every day. What's the bacon flavored eyelashes thing? It was my idea first. When you make your first million, can you please give me a 10? Anyhow, it's not actual bacon fat. Though you don't even know what that would do to like bring out a sheen on your face. You know, you're so glowing. It's bacon fat. And I can just put my head through tight turtleneck sweaters so quickly. It just splits right on. Anyhow. Anyhow, so she signed this uh, contract. It's worth the joke. It, she signed this contract, and then, but she was being interviewed not long after the commercials started coming out. And somebody asked her about like something about her cheeks or her hands or something. And she said, well, what I like to use for my cheeks or my hands or whatever it was is actually bag bomb. And if you don't know what Bag Bomb is, it's a brand of udder lubricant. So when you're working in the dairy industry, the cow's udders tend to get a little chapped. And so you put a little lubricant on there before the sucker thingies go on there, whatever those things are called. And so you put the Bag Bomb on those and they, they help the udders not to um, get over taxed. And so I guess growing up in Timmins, Ontario, you're probably working on the farm a little bit there, she discovered that bag balm was actually really great for keeping her cheeks looking shiny or her hands looking moist or whatever it is. So there you go, word to the wise, bag balm. If you know somebody who works in the dairy industry, you can get them to help you. Well, how do you think the uh, makeup company that had paid her $2 million to promote their product felt about bag balm being endorsed? Not... They weren't happy. She lost the contract. The money disappeared. 
something like that. I'm not sure on all the details, but they obviously weren't happy. And so it's the same kind of thing. Like she was up there promoting the bacon flavored eyelashes, but in her personal life, it was bag bomb all the way. And that's not good. It wasn't good. And so I'm just saying that this is the same thing with us as believers. Um, if, we, if, we, if we're saying we're Christians, we really should love God Amen. with all the strength he supplies. He really should be our treasure so that it's legit. And we can say, you know what, we're sinners and we fail and we fall short. We get distracted. That is part of the life. Nobody's perfect. But it really does help in promoting and inviting people into to want Jesus to be their treasure as well, to want to know the love of God themselves if they can see that actually the love of God is the best thing in our lives. And we would do anything to have it and keep it. Amen? So, one of the things I think is true about life in North America is that there are a million different um, magic lamps offered to us in life. You got a problem? Try this magic lamp. It's easy, it's quick, just give it a rub, something will pop out and offer to fix all your problems. And uh, some of that's fine, some of that's like just medicine or whatever, and, and I'm okay with that if it's used in a great way and in community and somebody who's responsible is, is giving directions for that, that's fine. But I think you and I both know that there are a million things that want to steal our heart and our love away from God because it promises that it will fill, fulfill our dreams fulfill our desires and satisfy our hearts in a way that God won't or something like that. And this is the thing about a magic lamp. Why are magic lamps appealing? Because we think that if we find one and we rub it, something powerful will come out and give us what we really want, right? That's the whole idea of a magic lamp. That's why, you know, Aladdin's kind of like, I want to marry the princess, so I need to become a... You ain't never had a friend like me. That's why, that's why it's exciting. Wouldn't it be great if I found a magic lamp? And there are websites where people debate, and I found these websites, they all debate, like, what would you do with three wishes? And one, you know, so they're trying to find out what exactly you, you should, what phrasing you should use so that you get your wish and it doesn't blow up in your face and all of a sudden you're the 95-year-old, right? So it's like when a genie says, you, you get a wish, you start, you call your lawyers because you need the whole contract. Okay, when I ask for a long life, I don't just mean like the undead, where I'm just going to, you know, you, just because the genies, genies that actually don't care about us, so if they can have fun fulfilling wishes in a way that make us look stupid, they'll do it. Unless it's Disney, because Disney lies about almost everything. <laughs> like the Little Mermaid just gets under my skin so bad. It really is just a story of human trafficking. I'm going to go sell a part of my body so I can meet a stranger in a castle. Don't do it, Ariel. Don't do it. Stay with your dad who loves you. It would be really funny if it weren't true. Like, think about it. Trust the crab. <laughs> Magic lamps. Things that promise to fulfill your desires, make your life better, and don't follow through. And there are so many. And we are surrounded by these, these, these promises. Um, 
you know, here's a picture of what it feels like to be living as a Christian in North America. When we were in Bulgaria, we had to take a bus ride from Sofia, the capital city, which is in the mountains, all the way across the entire country to Burgas, which is a city on the Black Sea. And it takes six hours because the bus can't go faster than 90 kilometers an hour. So you're getting passed all day long by people doing 130. It feels like you're standing still, but, you know, that's the rules. So six hours and away you go. And it started off okay. You could see out the windows a little bit. It was a bit hazy, a bit foggy, a bit smoggy, but you could see a little bit. But as the sun went down, there were like no street lights anywhere, no city lights anywhere. So you're just stuck inside this bus with no view. Fortunately, for the first little bit, there was a movie playing. There's no sound for the movies, but uh, you know I had seen Tron Legacy before, so I kind of knew what the what the storyline was, and I didn't actually need to know what they were saying because I, oh yeah, it's his dad, and okay, it's all computer generated, and this all happens inside of a hard drive somewhere, you know, because then it's a Disney movie, so it's all full of lies again. Like you can go into a computer and come out with a beautiful woman who wants to marry you. It never works like that. It will ruin your life. But it was PG rated. Well, the second movie was, I'd never seen it before, but after like the first 20 minutes or half an hour we found it, it was one of the worst movies for visuals anywhere. Obviously really, 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 really rated R. Which is just awkward to be trapped in a bus with 40 people watching, they're all strangers watching an R-rated movie. And it was just really weird. And so all of a sudden it was like, I just can't watch this. I can't look at this. The visuals are just wrong. And so... Here is my scenario. You're in a bus where the seats look forward. If you look forward, you will sin, and it will steal your heart from Jesus. But if you look to the left, all of the windows are reflective because there's nothing outside. So all you can see is the movie looking to the left. And if you look to the right and all the windows are reflective, all you can see is the movie on your right. So everywhere you looked was this magic lamp that said, if you watch this, you'll feel happy, you'll feel good, it'll be, it'll make you... But Right beside me was my beautiful wife, who I'm in a covenant with, to never look at that stuff. And that's what it is like to be a Christian in North America. Everywhere you look is something that wants to steal your heart from the God who you are in covenant with, who is standing right beside you. Welcome to North America. Somebody has said before, and I agree with it, that actually North America is one of the hardest places in the world to be. Be a true Christian. We, we have freedoms, but... Um, and that's fine, we can be thankful for it, but it, along with those freedoms are a million temptations, a million things that promise to fulfill us, promise to make us strong, promise to make us feel good, promise to make us smart. Uh, so many promises, so many magic lamps, just rub this. And it, it's not Jesus, and it doesn't fulfill. Amen? And it could be so many different things, okay? So just let's run through a bunch of things that that kind of take us out as Christians from this greatest thing ever of loving God with all of our heart. Um, there's lots of substances to abuse. Um, there's legal ones like alcohol. You know, if you just drain that bottle, at the bottom of it is a, a beautiful you, a powerful you, a you who doesn't feel pain anymore. Um, they're legalizing marijuana this summer. So now all your stress can be taken away and you can start having fun on the weekends and, and just feel like you fit in and relax. and Though apparently um, it can actually make you feel really paranoid. So it doesn't help, says a local counselor who knows what he's talking about. Um, you know, if you want a real rush, why don't you try some fentanyl? It's pretty available, apparently. I, I don't know how. It's not something that I 
it's part of my ministry. But um, it's another substance, right? Just pop this thing. You'll feel better. You'll feel excited. You'll feel happy. You'll have friends. You'll have a rush. Take away your pain. So we, we go to substances. And, um, you know, sometimes it's people that become a magic lamp to us. And it, it's, this is kind of a tough one because people in general are a good thing. But, um, you know, we can feel like, you know, if I just we're in a physical relationship with someone or a different person, then I'll feel better and everything will be okay. This person's a magic lamp to me. And if I just can get the genie to pop out, then my desire for intimacy and to feel beautiful and to feel wanted can be all uh, fulfilled. Um, sometimes relationships, just being with, having certain friends can be this thing. Um, probably the most abused substance in the world would be pornography right now. Um, it's the scourge of the age. It's the scourge of the age. Um, and uh, it, it's full of promise, and just the payout is just horrible. But it's full of promise. Just click on this thing, it'll be pretty awesome. It's so terrible, so terrible. It's, it's a magic lamp with a very evil genie inside of it. Um, we can People can be living for praise as well. You can turn people into this magic lamp where if you just rub them the right way, they'll praise you, they'll bless you, they'll think highly of you, and then you'll be happy, and then you can be free. Um, we also go after experiences in North America, right? Like um, this whole quest to have like your dream job. Have you ever heard this before? This dream job, like if you just were doing this work, then you'd feel accomplished and fulfilled and satisfied. And, and some people really like their work, and some people never will. And, uh, you know, I often think back to other cultures where it was like, you're uh, going to make bricks because your dad made bricks and your grandpa made bricks and your great-grandpa made bricks and you're going to break bricks and then you're going to teach your kids how to make bricks and that's what they're going to do for the next 500 years because that's what you do. You, your last name is Taylor because your family's been Taylors for a long time. And your last name is Smith because your dad and your grandpa and your great-grandpa hit iron with other pieces of iron for all their life and that's all you did. And it's kind of like they probably didn't have this idea of dream jobs. You know, maybe some of the blacksmiths would be working in iambic pentameter dreaming that they were poets or something like that. Like, one, I do hitteth the iron with my skill. I've lost it already. <laughs> but this idea of a dream job, right? If I just had my dream job, I would pop the genie and give me all the money and praise and self-esteem I've ever wanted. Um, entertainment can be our big thing. I still think it's so funny, uh, the, the excitement cycles we're in. Um, you're going to have a new Star Wars movie coming out every single Christmas, probably for the next 12 years, because they make a billion dollars every time. And every time you're just like, now I'm going to see a movie that fulfills all my hopes, dreams, and desires. And then they kill Luke, and it'll never come. It'll never happen. Luke's dead. Han's dead. They're all dead. <laughs> The thing, the one thing though, it, sorry, spoiler alert. Yeah, that's right. Hey, if I knocked over your magic lamp, don't blame me. Why did you have all your hopes and dreams pinned on it? Nobody knows how long a Chewie lives, so they can just keep, keep new people in the costume and just keep keeping going, keeping going. Yeah, you're 500 years old, Chewie. I love it. Um, identity crafting can be like a new magic lamp for us. If I could just become the kind of person that I've always wanted to be, that I truly feel I am through whatever it is, just that I just need to achieve my perfect identity and then all my hopes and dreams will come true. Um, and it doesn't. It just doesn't. It never does in this life. It never does. Do you know what kind of person ends up bankrupt and destitute most often in North America? People with big lottery winnings. 
it's like 50 or 60% are bankrupt within three years. They were better off having not won the lottery because they still had a job and they didn't have an addiction. And they still had friends and they still could talk to their family members. Isn't it crazy? Like people spend hundreds of millions of dollars a year on lottery and most of the people who win it, their lives are destroyed because it's a magic lamp. It's totally just a magic lamp. Unless it's scratch and win because you just win a few bucks. Just kidding. Sometimes as Christians, we can make ministry into a magic lamp. If I was just serving more, if I just you know, had this or the church got to this size, then I'd be satisfied, then everybody would like me, then all this stuff because I'm working, 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 and it's just not true. It's not true. I think that Jesus is actually really quick to sabotage that stuff. It's like if your desire is just to work for him, he's kind of like, I'm going to make it go bad until you figure out that it's about loving me and me loving you first. It's about the gospel, not about numbers. I mean, it is great to have numbers of people coming to the Lord, but it's not, you can't make it about you. So here's just an idea of different ways that, that this happens that I observe in our life. And, and I'm, I'm just talking, I'm inviting you to think about your life, and I'm just inviting you to ask yourself, is there something that isn't God that I think if I just had it, then everything would be better? Have I made a magic lamp out of something that I'm just rubbing, 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 rubbing? I've already worked my way through the brass on one side, and I can peer inside, and there is literally no genie in there. But I'm rubbing, 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 and bleeding the hand, the blood, and the, it's just you know you're just stuck with a, a guy with puffy pants and a vest and no shirt in the bottom of a cave. What's God's remedy for this? Because God, God is the remedy and he has a remedy for living a life seeking after the next magic lamp. And it is in Ephesians chapter 5. And this is how I'm reading it. I read it to you before. This is how I understand it. Paul picks one magic lamp that Christians went after in the first century, and that was um, alcohol. He picked one example of something it could be. And he says in verse 18, he says, And do not get drunk with wine. So that's giving yourself over to the magic lamp, the promise of peace and joy at the bottom of a bottle. Don't give your life over to that. He says, for that is debauchery. It means wastefulness. It's lawlessness. It's just a life out of control. But be filled with the Spirit. That's the remedy. Don't try to be filled with alcohol. Be filled with the Spirit of God instead. That's the remedy. And so as, even as I've talked about a few things, I don't want you to go home and start like looking for every little magic lamp that might be in your life. I, I want you to hunt after being filled with the Spirit because um, if you have mice in your house, you could stay up all night with a broom and a flashlight trying to kill every single mouse that you've named. Um, die, Mickey, die, you know, or Minnie, you're okay. You're a girl, but... Um, or you could get a cat right? You could either try to hunt every single mouse or you could get a cat and the cat does the business. Amen? You could stay up all night hunting that one mosquito that's buzzing in your ear. Have you ever had that happen before? The funny thing about the buzzing mosquito is that is a male trying to attract a female and they're not actually trying to eat anything. The females are quiet and they suck your blood and the males are trying to buzz and attract females so they don't actually want to um, suck your blood. They just want to fly in your ear which is annoying. You could spend all night hunting after the mosquitoes or you could get one of those bug zappers that does the job. And so I want to draw your attention to what will do the job and that is being filled with the Spirit of God through faith in Jesus Christ because that's what Paul says. He's 
put away the drunkenness, and don't just, hey, I'm great. I threw a lamp down. Woohoo! <laughs> Nobody will get it. He says, be filled with the Spirit. That's what you should be aiming for. And so I want to, for the last um, number of minutes for this message, as I'm, I'm, I'm pushing down on this thing, the best thing that can happen to you is to be in love with God, to receive his love and to return it by the power of God. And the, the, the hardest thing in our culture is that everything wants to steal our love and trust away from the Lord Jesus Christ. Like everything, everything wants to steal our love from Christ. So what do we do? And I'm saying what we do is we become maniacs, that healthy kind of sober maniac, about being filled with the Spirit of God, who is the one that puts love in our heart for God and other people, and who sets us free from the magic lamps we've been seeking after. So how do we get filled with the Spirit of God? Well, prayer is always good. And if you spent every day for the rest of your life taking a minute to say, God, I surrender to you. I surrender to the Holy Spirit. Would you fill me up today? That would be good. And to that, I want to add something that Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote many of these letters here, he says that um, he explains actually where ongoing filling of the Spirit comes from. So I want to give us two more scriptures so that we can really understand it and we can go out of here saying, I'm going to obey God's word, not just something Rob said. I'm going to obey God's word. So I'm saying from Ephesians chapter 5 that Paul is saying being filled with the Spirit of God is the thing that um, fills us up where we feel empty and go looking for magic lamps to fill ourselves up. It's the power that we have to walk in this um, awesome walk with God. And I'm not saying it's ever going to be super easy for a long time. We know that it's through many trials that we enter into the kingdom of God. But there is a huge difference between walking through a trial trusting God and walking through a trial um, angry at Him or not trusting Him. There's a huge difference. And so here's two scriptures to help us see how do we walk filled with the Spirit? How do we live filled with the Spirit? In the letter to the church in Colossae, which is written around the same time as Ephesians, I think at the same time, Paul has a similar saying to this being filled with the Holy Spirit. I just noticed this yesterday. I was reading through Colossians. And as I was reading through this chapter in chapter 3, I was like, this sounds a lot like Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 talks about addressing one another and singing psalms to one another and being thankful to God and, and, and being filled with the Spirit. And then all of a sudden I'm reading Colossians and it says this. It says, Let the peace of Christ, this is verse 15, rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. It's like there's that teaching and admonishing thing again. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. There's the singing songs to each other things again. With thankfulness in your hearts to God. There's that thankfulness to God thing again. So there's all these items in, in Colossians 3 and Ephesians 5, which are the same thing and one big difference. In one place, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. In another place, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And so what I think is going on is that Paul is highlighting two different things that produce the same effect. And that being filled with the word of Christ by faith is being filled with the Holy Spirit or welcomes it. Let's go a little bit deeper. Rob, what can I do today that will welcome a fresh filling, a fresh supply of the Spirit of God? I think a, a powerful answer is in the book of Galatians. If 
you remember from Galatians, Galatians was a church that Paul had planted. He'd gone there and he'd spoken Jesus to them and they believed. And the Spirit came and miracles happened and it was really powerful. But then some other teachers came along afterwards and started saying, you know, Jesus is great, but if you really want to be right with God, you need to get circumcised. They came along and they said, here, circumcision is a magic lamp, and if you do it, all of your dreams will come true with God. And they were turning their hearts away from faith in Christ to circumcision of all things as a magic lamp. And Paul, Paul is like losing it. He's just freaking out as much as apostles do. Uh, there's one great part in the letter where he says something along the lines of, if these guys like cutting off body parts so much, I wish they would all just go completely the whole way. Just, so so he's, he's not talking soft. This is kid gloves off. This is mixed martial arts, not bantamweight boxing. This is like you could die in there. He says this to them starting in chapter 3, and he's attacking this thing that they're turning to a work of the law to be their relationship with God. And he says to them, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who's cast this spell on you? Who told you to trust in the genie? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. So he says, I publicly preach the crucified Christ to you. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And the answer is they received the Spirit by hearing the gospel with faith. Are you so foolish, having begun with the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh, by their own human effort? Did you you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Now this is the main verse here, okay, for for Christians nowadays. If If you want to be filled with the Spirit, if this is appealing to you, you want to know the love of God and live in the love of God and not have your heart grow cold and not have your relationship go sour and to not start turning around for another love of your life and start wandering away, how do you live in the Spirit? Paul says, Does he who supplies, present tense as in today, the Spirit to you and work miracles among you as in today, do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith or hearing with trust? How does he do it? Answer the question. You have two choices. Is it something you do? Or is it hearing with faith? The answer is? Okay, we can do better. If you're new here and you're visiting, you don't have to do this. This is just something I do to people I know and love and who know me, okay? So what is the answer? Is it the works of the law? No, it's? Hearing with faith. That's right. It's hearing the word of Christ and saying, I believe that. And the scripture says, as the people of God come to the word of God and hear it and say, this is true, God is supplying to them the Holy Spirit afresh. I'm adding the word afresh there, but it helps us to realize that this is a fresh supply. This is fresh vegetable. This isn't canned carrots. Like there is such a thing. Like bleh! If you like canned carrots, you can enjoy those, but it just doesn't make sense to me. Christian, how do you stay filled with the Spirit? You get this word, whether it's the gospel of Jesus or the promises about Jesus from the Old Testament, which are yes and amen in Christ, and you preach them to yourself or you read them to yourself or you hear somebody else doing it and you go, this is true. You know, there's a laziness that can set in sometimes. We're just like, it's 
12.20 and he's still talking. If that's you, you're not getting filled with the Spirit the way you could be at the preaching of Christ. You're called to be filled with the Word of Christ. You're called to be filled with the Spirit. And the thing that's amazing about this is Paul is, is setting the bar so low in one sense. Like you think dusting off a lamp is not a lot of work to have miraculous powers happening. Paul is saying, you just need to hear and believe. And God comes and he fills with the Spirit and he works miracles among you. Like, seriously, what could be easier except that we don't want to trust? Other than that, we want to be in control. Other than that, we want it to make us look good. Other than that, what could be easier? And so I'm, I'm here because I'm really jealous for you. I'm really jealous. Sorry, I'm, I'm thumping, 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 thing, thing, whatever this thing is. Thump, 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 thump. I know you can go home. You're a real thumper. Here, want me to thump, thump? I'll buy, thump my Bible right now. Thump, 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 thump. You can go home, call me Bible thumper, but listen to me. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, you have to do this or you will turn into an adulterer or an adulteress spiritually. You need to be filled with something and if it's not Christ, you will find something else. Okay? There is a million other offers out there. Everywhere you look in the bus is a naked woman. And if you do not turn to your wife and say, this isn't happening, and stare at your knees or play Candy Crush Saga for the first time in your life because it's the only game on your wife's phone, if you don't fight to stay filled with the love of your wife, you will find something else to look at. And it will not fulfill your desires. It will instead rob from you and empty you out and fill you full of misery and make you, at the end of your life, turn around and say, I was a fool. This is why I'm fighting for this. And because I really do believe that the best thing that could ever happen to you is for you to totally know the love of God that he has for you in Christ Jesus and not just say, I, I know God loves me, but I don't know that he loves me. How many times have people said that? I've heard of some, I know he loves me, but I don't always. Well, fight, do something, hear the word of God and say it's true. And he will supply to you fresh Holy Spirit and work miracles among you so that it is an experienced thing because God thinks the best thing that can happen happen to you is that you know how much he loves you and then in return you love him back with everything you have that's why i'm fighting for this and so i'm not done because you're supposed to be filled with the holy spirit now i know when i say that there are all kinds of different ears hearing that because we're calvary chapel so we've got people from all over the place and all different backgrounds some people are like charismatic they went through prairie fire did anybody i know some people any new people went through prairie fire so you know that the holy spirit can be kind of exciting and then you know sometimes people can start doing things that make you wonder and then you know that they can keep doing that thing and then you still wonder and then it can all disappear and you're just kind of left wondering where did that all go other people come from more of like a Bible background where they, they totally confess that everything about the Holy Spirit is true and he's God, but they're just a little bit worried about him showing up at their house someday and doing something that they didn't expect. So you might be from a Mennonite background, and so your, your understanding of the Holy Spirit might just mostly look like works of service. Okay, the Holy Spirit comes, he helps me work. And that's fine. And there are other backgrounds. Okay, if you're from more of a Pentecostal background, you might think the Holy Spirit makes you speak prophetically in the King James English. 
Like, I don't know why that is, but thus saith the, it, it all starts coming out. And so what, I don't, not sure. I know there's lots of different backgrounds. And so one of the reasons why I started off with thou shalt not covet is because your job in being filled with the Holy Spirit is not to compare yourself to anybody else. Your job is to look at Jesus and say, I'm following you, fill me with the Spirit, and whatever comes out, may it be continually refined in love for the people around me, but I'm just going to not compare and judge. Because some people get full of the Holy Spirit and they account. They, they come to church and say, I want to crunch numbers and make them all line up. That's what they do. When they're, when they're full of love for Jesus, they come and they say, I want to clean the floor. And other people want to do prophetic paintings. And if we just spend all our time going, well, I guess God doesn't love me as much as that person because that person got to get up in front of the church and talk, or this, or God, God doesn't love me as much as the accountant because I keep having to get up and embarrass myself in front of people, you can spend the rest of your life comparing. And the Holy Spirit says in Scripture, I'm going to do it different in each one of you because we need to do different things and we need to learn how to honor each other and we need to learn how to be grateful for each other. We are not an assembly line factory where you just put in the gas, in the tank, and everybody drives and looks the exact same. That's never going to happen, so let's stop comparing, but let us want to be filled with the Spirit of God, because that is what you're made for, to serve Him, and to know His love, and to walk in freedom, and to say, I don't need no stupid, stinking magic lamp, and even if a genie came out of here, I would just say, you need to bow the knee to Jesus Christ, because you're not doing His work right now. You need to get around here and just confess that Jesus is Lord, and stop messing up people's lives with these false promises that don't have anything to do with the cross of Jesus Christ, if that were to happen. So I'm jealous for your hearts because the best thing that could ever happen to you is that you would love Jesus Christ. And if there's something missing, you'll fill it up with something else which will cost you so dearly. And even if you're there and you know you need to get free, God is so gracious and loving and he wants to help you today. And so my encouragement for you is just to take the Bible and take any scripture that works, which is most of them, and just say it out loud and just say, I believe this. This is true. And remember that God promises that while we're doing this, he's sending the Holy Spirit to us. As we're wanting to fill ourselves up with the word of Christ, letting the word of Christ dwell amongst us richly and in us richly, is the Holy Spirit is coming with the fresh to come to work miracles, to do the supernatural, even if it's like quiet supernatural. God knows how to do quiet supernatural. There have been some people here who have who've been healed of stuff, like legitimately. And you know what? There was no gold dust or lightning bolts or slow motion action replays or like crescendo music in the background. It was just kind of like, hey, I think something's different. Oh, I'm pregnant. Like, God does so many quiet miracles. So we're not supposed to judge how he does the miracles. We're just supposed to want to be filled with the Spirit and let God be God. So why don't we, uh, I want to pray for us.